Hey guys, and welcome to the SKS podcast where working actors talk. Each episode, we sit down with different industry professionals who share their experiences, provide advice, and just talk about issues that are relevant today. This week, Colleen Foy chats with one of my favorite people of all time and a former SKS teacher, Josh Brenner. Josh is one of the most talented actors I have ever had the pleasure of knowing, and with over 70 IMDb credits, he has a wealth of knowledge in the entertainment industry. We hear about how he prepped for some of the biggest auditions of his career, the importance of trusting you're enough as an actor, his thoughts on self-tapes versus in-person auditions, and how he handles the inevitable disappointment that every actor faces. With that, I give you Josh Brenner. Um, I am so pleased to welcome Josh Brenner to the Zoom Q&A for Sticker Studios. Um, Josh uh, was raised in Houston, Texas, graduated from Harvard University, where he was president of the Hasty Puddings Theatricals. <laughs> He's blushing as I read this. Um, Josh's first feature film was the internship opposite Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. He just finished filming the features Carry On opposite Taryn Edgerton and Old Dads, written and directed by Bill Burr. Josh has been a series regular on the TBS show Glory Days and HBO Silicon Valley, playing Nelson Big Head Baghetti. He has guest starred in almost every genre, including The Last of Us, Scandal, The Big Bang Theory, Modern Family, House of Lies, Mythic Quest, and Marin. Josh also has an incredible voiceover career. He has worked in the animated series Star Wars Resistance, 101 Dalmatian Street, where he plays Dylan Dalmatian, and as Donatello in The Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Josh and his talented and very beautiful wife, Megan, live in Los Angeles with their fur babies. And Josh was both a student and a teacher at SKS and um, also a very good friend of mine for many, many years. So I'm thrilled that he's here and open to talking to us. Um, one of the reasons we do these Zoom Q&As and podcasts is because everyone's path is so different when they are an actor in Los Angeles. I think a lot of times we have this idea of we should be following this linear sort of path to it. And once we can uh, expand our expand our consciousness by hearing other people's stories and their journeys and sort of the the uh, the dips, the lulls, the the amazing amount of momentum that comes in with all of that, the more we can accept our journey in this industry and release expectation that it has to look one particular way. So thanks for sharing all of this with us, Josh. That was, uh, <laughs> I am humbled uh, by uh, not only the the lovely introduction, but uh, the beautiful mellifluous voice with which it was delivered. Uh, and I failed to write down a, 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 an incredible bio and intro for Colleen, but I will just say, the single greatest teacher of acting in the city of Los Angeles uh, and a brilliant actress uh, in her own right. And I am, and a great friend. So I'm thrilled uh, to to talk to Colleen anytime. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Um, you certainly didn't have to prep a bio or say anything else. I but, should have. I should have I am written glad we recorded that. I'm glad we recorded that. So <laughs> thank you. It's now going to be my alarm as I wake up every morning. Um, that little <laughs> sound bite. Um, so Josh, I love starting with the origin story. How did you first start acting? When and why did you decide to move to L.A.? Um, yeah, so I was a theater kid. I... I hurt my knee in Little League and I did the school play in like sixth grade instead. And and then um, I think like so many of these stories go, I just had a, a teacher mentor who kind of became my guru and taught me everything I know. Uh, my I actually just got to see him and have a little reunion. His name is Larry Doxlager and he teaches in Las Vegas now. So I got to go and visit him at his school there. And I'm going to try to go see one of, a, one of the middle school productions there. But but yeah, I think so many of us have that kind of uh, figure who, you know, he introduced me to theater and uh, Marx, the Marx Brothers and, you know, all these uh, Monty Python, all these kind of things that um, uh, just became obsessions when I was a kid. And then, yeah, just kept doing theater through um, high school and college. Um, you mentioned <laughs> the Hasty Pudding, which is a very silly theater group that I was in. Um, and then moved moved out here right after college, mostly because uh, my brother, uh, my older brother was living out here and working in TV film. And he was like, come out, we'll be roommates, we'll figure it out. And yeah, I've been that was 15 or 16 years ago, I think. So, wow. Yeah, I've been here a long time. Um, so you were here for the last writer's strike. 
Yes, I graduated college into uh, the Great Recession and uh, the last writer strike, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, this is so. This is the the real world. This is adulthood. Uh, how do I go back? How do I leave? How do I? Um, <laughs> I don't like it. Go back into academia. Master yeah, yeah. sounds good. Yeah. 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 How do I go back yeah. to somebody paying for me to take acting class? <laughs> Amazing. Um. So, what were some of the first? How did you get your first agent? Your very first job? How'd you get your SAG card? Uh, okay, great. Uh, so, um, brother, my older brother had this group of friends, um, that a lot of people, he, he, he had been, um, he had been an assistant at Gersh, uh, very early days and sort of had all of these, this kind of group of friends from around that. And two of them happened to be agents. Um, and I just became friends with them over the years and, uh, you know, they would send me to acting class uh, actually to Stan, I, uh, they recommended I go take class there. And that's how I met Stan and met you, uh, in, in class there. Um, and then over time, you know, as I think feedback started to get back to them that I wasn't completely hopeless, um, they kind of started to hip pocket me and, you know, submit me on the occasional audition that was maybe a general that was like, you know, and then they'd, Somebody would be like, he's green, but eventually, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and they sent me to G. Charles Wright, who's a casting director who also teaches class. And I think um, through his feedback and him working with me, they eventually started to represent me. And then first first job, I think, I mean, I'd done like some short kind of stuff or some web series kind of stuff, but um, first job... I had, I had a pilot out of nowhere. I had a pilot season in like, gosh, like 2009 or something like that. And I, I, I had, it was out of nowhere. And I ended up uh, auditioning like six or seven times for this JJ Abrams show um, that was called undercovers. And um, I tested multiple times. I read multiple times. I, it was like this whole pro and I, I was like completely overwhelmed, had no idea what I was doing and I'm sure embarrassed myself repeatedly um, and didn't get the job appropriately. But then after that, I ended up get, uh, on that show that you mentioned glory days. Um, and I think I was cast as a guest star. Um, and then after we shot the pilot and the show got picked up and it, it, they turned it into a, like a series regular role. Yeah, I know just dumb luck. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Incredible. Um, so yeah, that was like 2010, I think, something like that. So do you think you got your SAG card or got tapped heart lead for Glory Days? Hard to remember. I think that might be right. I'm trying wow. to think because I can't think of what would have come before that. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right, um, that I would have to dig into the <laughs> into the files to make In sure the that's archives. true. But, but yeah. I, I think I think that's right. I think that's right. Okay, cool. Uh I hope I'm not like being Debbie Downer straight away, but Glory Let's Days do lasted it. <laughs> <laughs> Glory Days lasted for a season. So what do you do when the season is over? Um you mean after I found out it wasn't going forward again? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a little bit of like how do you sort of pick yourself up, but then how do you how was the process of getting back into auditioning? Totally. Um, yeah. So, so prior to, to doing, to working on glory days, I was, you know, uh, doing tutoring, like academic tutoring, English and math tutoring. And, um, uh, before that I'd done like waiting, bartending, personal assisting, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I think it is easy to be like, I'm a, I'm an actor now. Everything's great, you know. Uh, so I wasn't doing that kind of stuff. But then, luckily, I think around the studio, uh, the opportunity to teach and coach a little around the studio came up right around that time. Um, so was so lucky to have um, you know that is not just a job, but obviously the incredible community that SKS is, and um, it was very bolstering and helpful to stay active and constantly be working in class and um and then yeah once the show was done uh yeah i think it was just a matter of trying to get back i'm trying to think because i know there was a pilot season after that and nothing nothing hit so uh, a few of us that were from the show i remember we would see each other at various auditions trying to get something new and and yeah it was kind of crickets i don't think anything i think the thing that i was like had the 
felt like I had the best shot at ended up not going forward at all. The project just didn't even happen. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a, a reality check, I think, to be like, oh, it's not always going to be <laughs> like <laughs> magical, uh, easy pilot seasons. Um, and and it has never been again. Um, but um, yeah, so so I think, yeah, I think it was mostly just being around the studio and working at the studio. And then um, after that pilot season, when sort of like it was crickets and nothing really happened, uh, the casting director who had cast Glory Days brought me in for a movie she was casting, um, which was uh, ended up being the internship, the the Vince Vaughn and Wilson. And, and so that was probably that summer after that show had wrapped. Is that right? I think that's right. I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up like total miracle getting to do that um, that summer um and again having no idea what i was doing no business being on a a big movie big comedy like that and then yeah working across from vince and owen and and many other many other luminaries uh, who were in that movie mm -hmm. what's interesting josh is that i was well we were friends obviously co-workers but also i was in class so i saw all the preparation you put into the internship so i very much appreciate the humility of like i had no business but the way that you prepped for this was incredible um both in the process of auditioning um and then hearing what you did on set but also at the same time um you were in heavy consideration for the Millers, or we're the Millers. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. J Jason Sudeikis and um, Jennifer Aniston um, and Emma Roberts. Um, uh, so I remember like there were these two things happening sort of simultaneously, it was sort of like, holy crap. It was crazy, like, it was totally crazy. Like, which, which one is gonna happen? Which one is gonna happen? <laughs> um, so will you tell us a little bit about how you prepped for the audition? We'll start there. Yeah, um, I I remember at that point um, just be really wanting to. The character felt like it, I mean it was just a super nerdy character, but both both of those things it was just kind of like a super nerdy awkward character, which luckily come by pretty honestly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't have to stretch too much. So so it felt like that that part of it was just like and and again like I think I think so much about things working out out here is about timing and the luck of timing. And I got, I think, extraordinarily lucky that as I was coming into LA and trying to be an actor, what was in the zeitgeist was tech and nerds. And it just was the the perfect right time for me to show up looking like what I look like and and that being what there was a need for. Um, so... So yeah, so so character-wise, it just felt like a, a a little bit. It was that part was easy, and so I remember just really focusing on because it was Vince Vaughn and Jason Sudeikis uh, being prepared to improvise. And um, I had taken a lot of improv improv class at UCB, and I think it, at that point also at Groundlings, and was just trying to kind of have as many ideas of things that I could throw in or uh, be ready to react to. Um, so that, so like I, I had worked on the side so much that they were like, you know, I mean, Stan always used to talk about, you know, the, the West Wing people knowing stuff like it was inscribed on their heart. And, and because of that guidance, I was, you know, the preparation of knowing lines was like, that's not even part of it. Like that's a given. Mm -hmm. So I had, you know, that was so uh, kind of emblazoned and, and I worked on it so much in class and with, with great peers like you. And then, um, then yeah, it was just about trying to be prepared for for an improvisational part of it, and you know, feeling like I could add to what was on the page. Um, and yeah, and then in both cases, uh, I ended up reading with Vince, and and one thing was just okay, uh, Vince. There, we did the scenes as you know scripted, and I did whatever additional pieces that I I want. I tried to squeeze in there um, to get an extra laugh because I'm desperate. Um, and then, uh, it was like, okay, you and Vince are just like at a bar and you see a cute girl and he's trying to convince you to, to go talk to the girl. And so we just improvised the scene and, um, and, uh, it was extremely stressful, <laughs> but, uh, fun and exciting. And then I think with Jason too, with, with Jason Sudeikis, 
we definitely read together and I, I think there was some improvisational um, component to that too. Um, and then, yeah, I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, those were totally at the same time. And I, I can't remember what the order of things was. I remember, uh, I remember being at a, at a commercial fitting <laughs> and getting the call that, that the internship was going to happen and sort of like, just like shaking, freaking out. And then finding out that, that, um, where the knowledge wasn't going my way, but it was, I mean, like it was fine because I couldn't <laughs> have done it anyway. Um, but funnily enough, I ran into the, this is crazy. I ran into the director of where the Millers, Ross and Thurber, um, on the picket lines. Uh, I'm a WGA member also. And I ran into him on the picket lines at the very beginning of the strike. And he goes, what do I know you from? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. You're so familiar. And he goes, you read for me. And I was like, what? And he goes, what did you read for me on? And then we put it together. And he, he was like, it was, a, I was like, I cannot believe you remember that. And he was like, no, it was a really good audition. And I, that blew my mind and is like what, definitely one of those lessons of like, you think these things don't matter. You think you don't get the job. It's not what you're shouting into the wind, whatever. But I was floored that not, not only that he had any idea who I was, but that he remembered an audition from, you know, 12 years ago or whatever it was. Um, and I, I imagine that speaks more to him and his memory than anything else, but, but, you know, everyone counts, even if, when it feels like they don't. Oh, that is amazing, Josh. That's crazy. Awesome. Totally crazy. Um, uh, as you were prepping sort of these, this is this time <laughs> in our lives is when I, uh, first heard the word scripted ad lib. Um, I always thought, ad-libs were just like you completely think of them on the spot and you like try and get them in there but I remember um you writing down like alts is where I also learned like alts like okay this is the joke about um give me a pound give me a fear or like fist me like having all of these alts available 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 um uh I never knew it kind of demystified what improv could be for mm. me in a in a scripted scenario um, did you ever sort of think about putting those things in the middle of the scripted uh, line so that you're not messing up sort of the timing or letting their cue be triggered? This is always the trick, right? Like, uh, obviously, if you're gonna if you're gonna get a little uh, a little cheeky and and throw some extras in, uh, the your reader doesn't know that. Um, it, although now. Uh, my wife, Megan, is my reader, and we <laughs> we do tell each other, like, oh, I'm going to do something here, I'm going to do something there, so, like, give me a beat, you know. But in the old days, uh, when you were just going in to, to read with casting, um, yeah, you have to be really selective. So, yeah, a lot of times I would try to put stuff, uh, like, if, especially if there was, like, a line of dialogue and then, like, a beat and then another line of dialogue or a line of dialogue and then, like, the character reacts, but they don't say anything, and then you pick back up those are definitely like prime spots I felt like where you don't have to worry too much but I probably got more out of line as time went on and now I'll trust that if I just don't shut up and keep talking and kind of railroad which is breaking all the rules of improv and being a good actor and listening um that uh usually a reader is is pretty good at at uh at, at least letting you continue on but I would say definitely in terms of safe bets when you can control where you're throwing it in it, whether it's in the middle of a line or you know when when you're still kind of in control of the scene probably easier especially if you're newer to to tossing stuff in like that for sure right um I also remember you in class as you were in this prep process um having someone who was amazing at improv Dee Dee Drake uh be your reader because she would throw things in so that you could react to them um and you would just sort of practice in that thing I think that's a lot of what you do at SKS is sort of prepping for the actual thing. Um, there's a better way to say that, I know for sure. But you play how you practice, you practice how you play. Like, no, totally. You really put yourself under duress in the rehearsal and prep process because uh, improving with Vince Vaughn in a casting office is a little bit of under duress. I <laughs> yeah. I've never done it. You let me know. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, first of all, Dee Dee, like just such a brilliant comedian and 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 Bro. such a great actor. And yeah, that was so immensely helpful because, you know, being in a slightly less stressful situation, but feeling like you can, 
I mean, if nothing else for the confidence of it to be like, okay, no, I can do this. And my mind will not go completely blank the second I'm in there. Like, I just have to trust that, that I can do it. And also prepare, right? Like that gave, that was like, oh, Didi did something I wouldn't have expected. Now that's in my Rolodex of things that I can be prepared for, or at least have some familiarity with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, and, and I think it's a great point, preparing, recreating the situation in advance as best as you can. And I, I that was always so helpful training at SKS was, uh, was, you know, we would talk about, we would talk about like, okay, when you go in this office, the reader's actually on this side of camera and camera's here and the door's over there and the light's here. And being able to just go, okay, I'm already in that space mentally and fully prepared for what that is. So so I don't have to think about those variables and be like, oh God, I, pre- I prepped with my reader on this side and now my whole thing is backwards. And no, 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 no. You're, you're already, you don't have to worry about that. All you have to worry about is like being present and listening to casting and, 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 you know, listening and responding with your reader. And God, all of these things now sound like ancient history, right? Like talking about, I mean, these are such quaint <laughs> things we used to talk about that just don't, don't really exist anymore. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, now so we crazy. have a new, new set of things that can potentially yeah, yeah. Throw a much, us off. By the way, a much worse <laughs> and horrifying uh, set of things. But but I guess uh, that unknown is at least a little bit less part of the equation. Yes, and all of those unknowns were things I was never taught in college, and definitely. I mean, I majored in theater, um, theater with an R E. Um, yeah. Uh, but I uh, didn't know anything about like the mental game of the audition process, which is so dissimilar to acting, I think, auditioning yeah. and acting. Um, was that one of the greatest things, not greatest, was that something, okay, I'm just gonna say it, was that one of the greatest things you learned from SKS or what was, how did it sort of change your, uh, your process or the way you looked at things? I mean, that's such a, I mean, there's a million things there, but uh, because I didn't know, I didn't know anything about acting on camera. I, I was also a theater RE person. So <laughs> I came to, I came to LA and, and, you know, I think the, the first couple of times I read for anyone or or went to class or, 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 or tried performing, I, it was like, you know, that, that old commercial where like someone's listening to a stereo and it like blows their hair back because it's so much. I think that's what my acting was like in the early days. Cause I was just like, project and emote you know and uh and i would say the number one thing that that stand that sks helped me with immediately was uh just bringing it in and learning what it was to act on camera but yeah in terms of auditioning being a totally different thing from from acting from being on set it you can't prepare for that. <laughs> like you could you can do all the stella adler stanislavski whatever you want but that weird little process of of making making four pages come alive in a way that stands out from hundreds of other people or or whatever it is that 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 is a skill unto itself that yeah to your point has nothing to do and for a long time i felt like i learned really well how to audition um you know because of the training and then had to learn how to act on set because it, again it's a, another skill you're learning that you know, auditioning is the way you get in the door to doing the thing that you want to do, but then you have to learn how to do that thing, which, because we always had on set nights and would do scene work and, and, and actually talk through what, okay, you're going to get there. And then uh, someone's probably going to come and like, take you to a fitting and then you're going to go to a fit and then you're going to go to the makeup trip and just being prepared mentally for all of the different things that get thrown on you at, at, at any diff- different day. I felt, I don't know, that kind of preparation is just, uh, is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you have a quality to your acting that I think some would often describe as deadpan or sort of dry. Um, uh, we talked a lot in my classes when in a breakdown it says deadpan or she's very um, Aubrey Plaza-esque. Like sort of figuring out what exactly does deadpan mean? It's kind of like the word quirky. Well, your quirky is different than my quirky. Mm. Um, uh, so how do you sort of, if you do talk about your style or when people say, do your, like, do your dry thing, what do you think they're actually saying? <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 
Yeah, I think you're right to reference Aubrey Plaza because she is, I feel like she is our generation, you know, it's like Buster Keaton and then Aubrey Plaza. Um, uh, just as like, but it is such a tricky thing because directing somebody towards deadpan, so much of it is about uh, an essence that goes with it, right? Like, like, I, I like some people I think you're just you're too animated and you're too winning and you're too vibrant to to be believable I I happen to have a dark enough soul that it that it sits on me a little bit a little bit easier maybe sometimes um but yeah that sort of like flat delivery expressionless uh stillness I think it can land so funny but I really do think it just depends on the person delivering it and I I don't know, sometimes when casting is looking for a thing, uh, what they've effectively done is stripped away what makes a person interesting by trying to fit them into somebody else's thing. Um, so I feel like when when you've got such specific direction like that from casting or from what they want from a role, the best thing you can do is be like, okay, well, that's not really me, but what's my version of that, right? What are they really like? What's the note behind the note? Well, what they're asking for is somebody that's funny, but never trying to be funny. And they make you laugh almost by virtue of them trying actively to not be funny, right? Mm -hmm. And that can look, I think, a, a bunch of different ways. Like Aubrey's thing is like, you know, kind of like dead inside thing. But if you just play something incredibly earnest, I mean, that's like uh, a Steve Carell thing, right? Nobody, I don't think you would ever describe him as deadpan, but he's so earnest in his comedy. He's never trying to be funny. Will Ferrell, right? Will Ferrell never tried that just intense, not deadpan, but he's never trying to be funny. He's just being intense as fuck. And because of who Will Ferrell is, he makes you laugh. So I guess when... I guess my thought about that is like, if somebody's saying like, do deadpan, my thought would be like, what's your version of being laugh out loud funny without trying, never trying to hit a joke, never trying to, you know, give a wink, never, never letting the audience know that you even care that they're there. And what's like, what's your version of that? Mm, I wrote that down, never trying a, to give a wink, yeah. Maybe too heady, but but I think like everybody trying to do Aubrey is a, is tough, right? Because she's Aubrey. Like there's Aubrey does Aubrey, and and she's done really well because she does it the best. Yeah. So t tall order to get somebody else to do Aubrey. Oh, for sure. I cannot tell you how often she is referenced in breakdowns. Yeah. yeah Aubrey totally. Plaza, Aubrey Plaza type. Um, but I agree with you that I think the strongest thing we can lead with is not my impression of Aubrey Plaza. It's me being my most earnest uh, self, maybe even sometimes my most like literal self when I'm like very much stuck in a literal way of thinking about things. Um, that is sort of my intuit. Sorry, I'm having a little bit of an aha. I really do love the idea that we have to sort of lead with ourselves. We really do. That's yeah. I think I think that's the only way that uh, that you're going to stand out, right? Is because if everybody's trying to do Aubrey and nobody's really doing it because nobody is Aubrey, you just have to show them a different thing that is more what they want than what they thought, right? Like that's just a lack of creativity. Like saying Aubrey Plaza is, is a writer yes. or a director going like, well, I don't know, like who do I think is funny? Aubrey Plaza is funny, right? Um, but there are a million ways to be over it, right? Which I think is like the essence of it. It's like being over it all, right? Which is, uh, deadpan is a, is a symptom of that, right? De deadpan is a way that being over it expresses itself. But how does being over it look on a different person and like, you know, being, I'm done. Like, I'm done. Like, what does that look like? There are a million different ways for I'm done to look. And a writer is just going like, I think it looks like Aubrey Plaza. And mm -hmm. I think if you can go in and be like, go in, tape yourself, whatever, and be like, here's a different idea of what that is. And that's what it looks like on me. Yeah, I love that. Um, when I was cutting together some clips of your work, for, oh a God. Promote, for a little what? promotion on IG. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God. Um, uh, the, the, I think the opening clip where
where we meet Big Head in Silicon Valley, where you're sitting with Thomas and is it Zach? Oh, oh, it's Zach. Oh, yes, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, Zach, um, Zach and uh, Thomas, yeah. Um, there's sort of like a close up on you and it really is just like the words falling out of your mouth. It looks like there's no push. There's no nothing. Um, for me, when I try and do that, I'm looking at my tape and going, am I doing nothing or am I doing the right amount of nothing? Like, do you ever, do you ever get in your head about that? And if so, how do you quell that little voice? I'm constantly in my head about everything. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <Dope>. um, <laughs> that's such a good question. Um, I think it is so character scene show specific, right? Like, like I, I remember getting on the set of Silicon Valley and, you know, working with Martin, you're like, holy shit, Martin's not doing anything. And it's brilliant. And if you come in and are like doing a, like, you're going to look insane, right? It's just not gonna, it's not gonna happen. And then I think because the character also was kind of like vapid and, uh, you know, just like always kind of wheels turning, that made sense to me, right? Like, okay, he's never gonna, he's never gonna have a strong enough opinion. He's never gonna have a strong enough thought to shout from the rooftops. And I remember, I actually remember an episode early on being directed by not one of our, not one of our regular showrunner directors, but a guest director to like get a little more animated about something and like really, uh, really like, you know, kind of push back on what I'm being told. And I remember not understanding the note at the time, thinking it was wrong and doing it. And it's my least favorite scene from the entire show because it just wasn't the character. Like the, and she acknowledged that she, the director said, she was like, I know he's like, kind of like, doesn't have much of a pulse, but like, can you give me a little, like, can you give me a little more here? I was like, I'll try. Um, and it just wasn't right. Um, so I guess that would be my feeling about it. It's like, if I'm watching a tape back and I'm mostly I'll be critical of myself for feeling like I'm doing too much, right? Uh, pushing it or, you know, trying to be funny or, or you know, just being too loud, being, you know, being that theater guy a little bit too much. That's usually the direction where I'm like, no, no, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like not doing enough, I don't think that's, I think I'm always fighting the, uh, the other war. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the more actors I've worked with, especially on the drama side, when I'll be like, "You're you're just still," and and you're you're just quiet and still and barely doing anything, it turns out brilliant. Wow! Like I just think like that's like the biggest trust thing is like, can you do what you're doing all the way turned down and know that it's enough because because you're an, because you're interesting right like Colleen like I would watch you watch paint dry you're 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 amazing you're interesting you're thinking you're alive you're present and I think that's just the trust thing right like I don't have to I don't have to turn it on here because this is enough ooh how do you build that muscle of I am enough. This is enough in an industry that profits right. off of us not <laughs> feeling like enough. Uh, uh, and I guess this right? is sort of like the million dollar question or how do you make progress in, in the direction of that? Cause I don't know if it could be mastered, but. God, such a, such a great existential question of what we all are insane enough to do for a living uh, or try to do. Um, and I think for me, it's just time and 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 experience because you for me, watching myself enough times over the years and going like, oh, stop, less, 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 less gets enough in my body that when I get in front of a camera, whether it's auditioning or 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 on set. I don't want to have that feeling, right? Whatever yeah. I'm working on, I don't, I don't want to have to sit and watch whatever it is and go like, oh God, Les, why did you do? Why did you push that? Why did you? I never want to have that feeling. 
So just that in your muscles trying to go like, okay, bring it down. Just be here. Just talk. And I think it's weirdly enough. I think it's easier on set than it is auditioning because auditioning you're like, God, I just got to show Like, I got to make them know. I got to make them understand that like, I get it. And I'm, I understand the joke and I can show them that I understand the joke or that like, I understand the scene. And like, I can, I can, I can bring the emotion. I can bring the, the tears. I can bring whatever it is. Auditioning sometimes feels like you do have to do that. But then for me, at least when I get on set, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't have to try to get a job. I don't have to try to impress anybody. All I have to do is like really just be here and be present and talk to the person I'm talking to. And it also honestly helps me so much when there's a camera this close to me going like, Oh, like that's a great reminder (laughs) that, (laughs) that I don't need to shout. There's a microphone right here and I don't need to cock an eyebrow because there's a camera right here. And they say swap a lens going tighter. You're like, Oh fuck. Like I really don't need to do anything Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah i think i i think that's time and it's something i still struggle with i mean i i think it's still it it's you know i'll finish a take and be like i i feel like i can we take can we go again because i feel like i was really Mm -hmm. trying (laughs) like i was really i was really working it and i think that's just time and 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 knowing that that you're here because you deserve to be here because you got the job because you're the right person and the right person doesn't have to do a thing because you're the right person and you're just saying the words and 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 listening and and talking that's it that's it's a when you strip it all down it's very simple but it's all the other stuff that gets in the way absolutely i think time is such a necessary ingredient in this like hard work and the right classes and relationships and good habits and all those things but also time because earlier you said um you said something to the effect of when glory days was over then a pilot season was bad and then maybe after that it was um the internship like kind of like after 15 years the timeline gets a little fuzzy and blurry whereas when you're in the moment you are like I haven't heard from them in three months yeah. and then when I first got this I didn't see them again for eight months yeah. you know it feels very very acute and painful and I think over time when you look back um I can see the value of just giving it time and the edges wear off a little it's yeah. such it's such a great point. And I I had this thought recently. I taped for something, I don't know, a month or two ago. And this may have more to do with my age than anything else, but I f- just forgot. <laughs> like I forgot that it happened. I forgot that I made the tape. I forgot about the project. I just forgot entirely. And thinking back to starting out, I remembered every moment of every audition of, I mean, just, it was so important and so front of mind. And you're absolutely right. Being like, okay, I met this casting director four and a half weeks ago and I haven't been back. And, and, you know, just, you know, overanalyzing all these things, which you're just naturally going to do because it, you, the sample size is so small. You, all you have is, you know, a handful of auditions or, or a couple of jobs to, to kind of, fill your consciousness, but yeah, you just get reps in. And I mean, to continue with that metaphor, like you don't remember like your 19th pull-up when you're just doing pull-ups all the time now, or, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, uh, it's just a rep. It's just a rep and it wasn't important and it wasn't life-changing and, but it, you know, built up something with your deltoids or, you know, your your upper trapezius yes this is the exercise <laughs> science portion of the q a yeah, yes yeah we're gonna get very into kinesiology for a minute amazing um i have one last question for you josh before we open it up um and it's something i ask every actor who i talk to in these how do you deal with disappointment um specifically sort of after you get news that something isn't going on or oftentimes when we don't get news, but we're like, well, they started shooting yesterday and I didn't get a call from wardrobe. Um, how do you sort of tend to yourself uh, in the hours after that, the days, or even when you feel like it's not that acute moment, but just sort of like, this has been a funky ass year and yeah. I'm just sort of feeling 
um, kind of down about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, oh, how I wish I had a, a great answer to this question. Um, again, I do think time and reps is the biggest help, right? The, the more you, uh, the more you face that rejection, the more it becomes part of the thing. And the more you become used to just knowing that unfortunately that's a, a side effect of doing this thing. We all love to do so much. Um, I honestly sometimes still get blindsided, uh, because for the most part, uh, I, it, I, even though it's, honestly very hard for me to believe when one job ends that another is ever coming I, honestly i still struggle with believing that a next job is coming and my megan my wife is will get very exasperated with me because she's like what evidence do you have that there's not like what shut up um but uh i will still sometimes get blindsided by being disappointed by one that i didn't even know that i cared about so much until finding out that it's not happening and I think those are the toughest ones. Like, I think I have a pretty good idea of if something is realistic or not, um, which I think is important, right? Like, I think having an understanding of the numbers work how and how they are against you and, you know, knowing when something is going to almost certainly be an offer to somebody very famous or knowing when uh, a, a, a writer, a showrunner is going to hire their friend you know, which is something I've run into over the years a bunch of times and having like a pretty open eyed sense of that, I think is super important so that, and I hope this doesn't make me a pessimist, even though I understand that it is a piece of pessimism. I always try to not get my hopes up. I really try to not think like, Oh, this job, like it's going to be the one. Uh, I try to be pretty realistic and go like, yeah, chances are this is a, uh, this isn't going to be me, but I'm going to do the best job that I can work really hard on it and then put it away. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's harder to do than on some auditions than others on some, on some shows than others. Um, but I think, I think the, the hardest thing is the, 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 the distance is, is what makes it hard between expectation and reality, right? If you build up, this job is about to change my life. And I've got to have it. You've got so far to fall. If you've already planned, if you've already planned your six months in New Zealand shooting, or you've already planned the house you're going to buy with the money, or you've already planned, you know, the red carpet, what you're going to say on the red carpet. If you've already got those ideas in your head, it's such a long way. So much you have to let go of to come back down after not getting it. So the more, I, I guess my advice would be that it's all, like everything, it's all about preparation, right? Prepare yourself by not letting yourself get carried away and by just treating the audition as the thing. I did the thing. Now I'm going back to whatever it is that I like to do, whether it's writing or whether it's my uh, restaurant job or whether it, not that maybe people love that, but it's just focusing on that and not letting your mind wander too much. Return to the mean. Keep yourself, keep yourself in, in, in the grounded space. Uh, and, and I think it makes it at least a little bit easier, but it's never, it's never easy. It always sucks. It just always yeah. sucks. It's the worst part about the business and, and there's no, there's no easy way around it. <laughs> um, I have absolutely been guilty of seeing myself like shooting in New Zealand for six months. And I just love farming in New Zealand so much. I decided to stay there and yeah. people just want to dress me. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. Look, it's, it's hard not to just because yes. that's the dream. And also because like, I mean, I'm not a social media guy, but if you're on Instagram, you're watching people do the dream. Like you're, yes. you, you, you see people that have it. Now I will say, I don't think it's all it's cracked up to be. I think like there are, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors and you have to be in this because you just want to go on set and do a job. Like yeah. you have to, you have to, that has to be the number one thing because if you're chasing all the other things, it's never going to be a, never going to be a happy. Well, crap. I wanted the house in New Zealand, Josh. 
yes, I get to be on set, of course, but <laughs> nobody believes that for a second, Colleen. Yeah. You're such a brilliant artist and <laughs> and you no one gets that good by not caring about the craft. And I know that you do. Thanks, Joshi. Um, well, let's open it up to a few folks. Um, I'm gonna let Stephanie uh, come in. You may, you may uh, remember Stephanie from yes. class. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Hi, how are you? So I'm good to good. see you. Good to see you. You played so many fun characters and I'm just curious, like, is there a, like a character or just maybe a story that like you are like, oh my gosh, I need to be this character. I need to tell this story. Like, are you going to do Rocky seven or like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, is there something where you're like, I know I can do this. Like, this is not what I usually get cast as, but I know like, this is what I want to do in the future. Um, oh man, such an awesome question. And again, one of those things that I probably don't let myself think about enough. Cause I'm like, well, what are the chances that that's going to happen? Um, uh, I would say over the years, the dragon uh, that I've been chasing, um, is kind of like the very smart Sorkin-esque political or legal or, you know, that kind of thing where it's just a million words, a million miles a minute and uh, just smart people being smart. Um, and I don't know if that's a symptom of having played a dumb guy for so long, but um, uh, yeah, just like the the handful of times I've, I've, you know, read for Sorkin stuff or, or, or things like it, I find, I find I really kind of light up and, and I'm so attracted to that thing. And uh, I'm hoping maybe as I become an older Jewish man, uh, maybe, uh, maybe some of those things uh, will, uh, will, will find their way. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I genuinely am someone who is just like, I'm grateful to be working. I am anytime I have a job, I'm, I'm happy that that someone is willing to <laughs> to hire me to to do something. So I try not to be too overly um, too overly picky, but but doing something like that would be just the best. I'm gonna add Caleb, one of my favorite people in the world, but also <laughs> also he has a wife named Megan. Josh, oh. I have a wife named Megan. This no way. Crazy. I mean, it, does she have an H? In Megan. She doesn't. No, I okay. saw how your Megan was spelled. I know. So okay. I realized it wasn't the same Megan. Right? <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, this has just been so encouraging, informative. Just thank you for spending the time with us oh, and talking sure. about the dreaming. Uh, I was just curious because I feel like there's this mindset of like, okay, once I'm a series regular, the confidence that I have going into the room or once I'm with, you know, one of the big three. And I was just curious if, yeah, if you could kind of demystify maybe the smoke and mirrors, like what does change with the mindset after that? And then what also doesn't change? What what has stayed the same, you know? Oh, man. I appreciate the question so much because mostly because I think I forget a lot. Uh, and <laughs> and and I don't know. I I may be particular about this, but but I I whether it's imposter syndrome or mm -hmm. just, you know, bad lack of uh, uh lack of positive thinking i feel like i'm back to square one mm. always yeah. like I, I i i'm like okay like that job's done that doesn't mean anything anymore you gotta start back at the beginning and build up to getting the next job like that yeah. that is truly how i think i approach things having said that i have to acknowledge that i am very lucky and i will say once Silicon Valley had started to be a, a, a recognizable show. Just the way that casting responded to me in a in a in a room was very different. Okay, um, I felt like I got a lot less of. And again, maybe th this doesn't apply as much anymore, but I, I assume it does on a tape watching level as well. But if prior to that, you know, I got a lot of like uh -huh, like this kind of thing. You yeah. know what? When I walked in, people would be like, hey, Josh, great to see you, you know, and it just felt like people were a little bit more willing to mm. to to engage and treat me like people should be treated like yeah, I, I, right. I and 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 that goes that goes in on, on multiple levels, like when you're going in for a higher level of stuff, mm -hmm. casting tends to be a higher level of casting, too, like yeah. they, they're just 
they are more respectful and they do care about actors. Whereas when you're starting out and some of the stuff you're going in for, people don't treat you well because they're not good at their jobs. Right. Um, but I do think there was a palpable change. And I have to say that that is something I'm very grateful for. Mm. Um, but that's also just, again, time. Like as you build relationships over the years and get to know more people and build build friendships and get to know writers and get to know cast directors, yeah, people are, treat you a little different because you have you're a human to them. Yeah, <laughs> you're not right. just you're not just a you know a a box on a screen. You're someone who is actually exists. Yeah. Um, in terms of the agency thing, um, there is smoke and mirrors there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was with a really small agency for a really long time, and my my agent was my friend. And the kind of uh, attention you get when someone cares about you that way is totally different from being at a massive company where they have huge names and you're on a list that may or may not get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's always good and bad, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, like CAA can make a call and make things happen more easily than maybe a smaller agency can, but they're not necessarily going to make that call. Um, So, yeah, you know, every, everything is a mix. and, And I think, I, I always advise people like the relationship is what matters. The the name brand on your resume or on the buck slip is not what matters. The mm-hmm. relationship is what matters. Yeah, that's really good. Amazing. Um, Caleb, before you go, I just want yeah. to mention, I think you and Josh both prefer auditioning in the room. Um, uh, do you prefer that, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. I do too. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I think both of you have such incredible personalities that there is a vibe that's created in the room. It feels like Mm -hmm. you get to know each other a little bit. Um, And what we've talked a little bit in Monday class with Caleb is when you are just sending in a tape, how do you, like, it feels like there's something missing. If you always connected with them in the room, like there's, it feels like a missing link. You know what I mean? Like, uh, do you feel that way at all, Josh, or... Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I totally see all the benefits of the self-tape thing and I understand mm-hmm. what's great about it. And I, I don't begrudge anyone being like, this is the best for me. Totally get it. It's, I, I don't feel that way for me because <laughs> I don't either. Because, I yeah. I, I, and Caleb, I can see right away, just like meeting you for four seconds. Like yeah. you, you've got a sparkle and, and it, it, and, People will magnetize to you the second you walk into a room. Um, I just like to chat. I like to Mm -hmm. say hello. I like, and I like to, and I also, I don't know, because it is like a a little more live when Mm -hmm. you're, and maybe this is like the theater aspect or or doing comedy or whatever. It just feels a little more alive when you're in person, as opposed to like something that's a little more canned and feels a little too perfect. And how many takes did they do and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I totally prefer the in-person thing. And I also just, not everyone can perform under those, like Colleen, we were talking about, like those kind of stress-inducing situations. And self-taping means that anyone can control their environment. But then when you show up on set, can you do still do it? Mm-hmm. And uh I think it's important, at least on some level, to be like, okay, can you can you perform on cue in a stressful environment and still know your words and still deliver? And that was such a big thing about pre- prepping at SKS is like there was never a question because your preparation was always solid. But I don't know if that's true for everyone. So mm-hmm. yes, that's my diatribe, but definitely a prefer to to go in like the like the good old days. Okay, so speaking of the room, that that is the thing that like is basically my question like how important is it to win the room because i do not like small talk (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like oh yeah i don't know but i feel like it is like based on what you and caleb were talking about like it is like an asset okay here's what i'll say about it um if you're the character if you're the guy or the girl or the person for the job it doesn't matter if you go in, if you make the tape or go in and kill it and do the job and it is undeniable that it's you, it doesn't matter. It just does not matter. And especially if like, I mean, I 
nice to meet you, Lowell. I'm not going to make any assumptions about who you are, other than that you said you're not crazy about small talk. Um, if the character is like, you know, guy in the guy working, you know, behind the counter of a bookstore who doesn't want to talk to, doesn't want to be bothered, and you come in and do a bunch of chit chat, it might take them out of you being that character. Whereas you go in and you go like, hello, and then do the care. Like that is just, that is just going to further make you hired. Um, so I think maybe for Caleb and certainly for me, it's maybe even more about our comfort than anything else, right? Like I just like to have an interaction with another person and know that I exist and it makes me feel more comfortable if I can like make a wise crack and somebody chuckles. Like that's probably has more to do with my insecurity than, than anything to do with getting the job or anything. It's just how I like to operate. Absolutely. You should not feel like you have to do it. Like you have to put on a show. Like you have, you just do you be you. And when the job is yours, you're going to get the job regardless. That would be my take on it. Oh, okay. Uh, for a technical question for like you doing your chit chat before the actual thing, do you ever find it like hard to transition from like, Oh, now we're bantering and now I'm this. Oh, good question. Um, you know, I guess if it was something that was more heavily dramatic or, or serious in tone to go from being like, Hey, man, blah, blah, uh, to, you know, like emoting your soul, uh yeah maybe that's one to watch out for where i wouldn't maybe come in so bubbly friendly cheer cheer um uh but uh yeah i think like staying within a, a band of what the energy of the scene is going to be so you're not having to suddenly do so much work but even then if you want to i think if you're in a room or doing a zoom thing i think it's totally fine to go uh, I'm just going to take a quick second and like get into mm -hmm. it. Uh, uh, and, uh, and yeah, okay. And then I'll be ready. Um, I think like people, people casting certainly should understand what this job requires of you and uh, you taking a second to go like, I'm going to just uh, look at my words here and, uh, and now I'm ready. Totally fine. I think. Okay, nice. Thank can you I so ask, much. Can I ask a follow-up question for Lowell? I'll speak for you, Lowell, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, let's say you do, uh, you're not a person who's into small talk and you book the job of that bookstore uh, shop person. Um, and you're like, great, it kind of fits my personality. Do you feel like you have to, when you get on set, like, hello, happy to be here, grateful, everyone, hello, 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 and then I can be my own self. Do you feel like you have to sort of show them I'm great to work with, I can be mm, on your press mm. junket, or do you not, yeah, I don't know. No, that's I, good, that's a good one. Thank you. I I think, I I, I don't know, uh, I, I don't have an answer to this question. I think being yourself is probably the only viable answer, right? Like, never be an asshole. And so I don't think there are any assholes here. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, but being overly effusive and cloying, especially if that's not who you are, could be just as like, well, I don't need to work with this person ever again as somebody who is just like kind of quiet and like, hi, nice to meet you. It's really nice to be working with you. That's enough. I, I, I think be a human, be courteous, but be who you are and and don't feel like you have to put on a whole show. Cause again, like if you're trying to be a person that you're just naturally not, it's going to come off strange anyway. So you might as well just like be, I think be the nicest version of yourself. Be like, be like you're, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm professional and pleasant, uh, but be that version of yourself. You don't have to be some other person who is an idea of how, how fun and exciting and great you are. La Alana, come on in. Um, this is Alana Fogg. She was just in the most recent uh, season of Maisel. Oh, amazing. Congrats. Yeah, I'm, I'm on there, right? Yeah. Um, hi. Um, I'm curious because you said you're on the WGA. And um, what did you do in the meantime while things were happening to kind of keep busy? I, I, especially, I mean, it's harder this time because I feel like we're literally just like, nothing's happening. Uh, it's a little bit different than, you know, waiting for the, for the auditions, but I don't know. I feel like I've had a couple of times where like, I've had some momentum and then it kind of stops and then uh, momentum and then it stops. And it's like, yeah, how, what did you do to stay busy? Were you writing? Were you, yeah, whatever curious. <laughs> uh, another million dollar question. Uh, I remember a neighbor of mine 
who was like on a show and a stand-up, you know, just had a ton going on, just one day goes like, there's just too much time, huh? (laughs) I was like, how are you saying that? Um, But yeah, I mean, the... uh, an old friend of mine and I used to talk about uh, this is so dumb, but that the you know the Tom Petty thing, the waiting is the hardest part. That that is like the in between time is just what's killer. Yes. Um, and if I have something to look forward to, I'm usually okay. But it's just like like right now, like who knows what the hell, like who knows what's gonna happen. Um, so yes, that's how my wife and I started writing together because we were doing comedy and then we were like, well, we're maybe less interested in being out at comedy clubs at all hours. So how can we still be creative and make each other laugh and stuff? So that's how we started writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been doing that for a lot of years. So if, I, I mean, even when stuff is going on, we're working on projects, but especially when nothing's going on, like we just, you know, finished a draft of something and we're, Me- Megan is, all, Megan is way more responsible than I am. And she's already like, okay, what are we sitting down to start next? I'm like, give me a minute. Um, but uh, we started a podcast uh, over the over this period also that we're just getting going. Um, and uh, I also like play in a baseball league and play poker. So like, uh, yeah, like I, it's all about finding distractions. I hope I try to have more productive distractions than destructive ones like playing poker. But um, uh, but yeah, I think. Keeping going and finding ways to be creative, I think is so huge, especially now because you can make so much shit. Over the pandemic, uh, my wife and I got these like little toys that had magnets under them. And we started shooting like miniature stop motions uh, and, and just voiced like a bunch of different characters. And it was totally bonkers and completely pointless, but it kept us busy and creative. And I think that's the thing. So like whether it's making TikToks or doing a podcast or putting on a freaking play or doing a one person show or, or, you know, doing improv with friends. Like I think just staying creative uh, is, and so you have something to look forward to. Like, like I started making a, a dumb video every day of the, of the strike, just like a silly pointless video. Um, but I was like, okay, well I'm waking up and I, I know at least today I'm doing one thing. I'm going to get into my self-tape room and make one stupid video, whether I like it or not. No, that's really inspiring. Thank you. I feel like I forget that it, by kind of just doing nothing, you actually feel worse. But by doing something in it, you actually end up remind, reminding yourself, oh, I love this, even when it's hard. Totally that. That brings your, you back to yourself. Totally that. And I think having friends, collaborators, whatever it is, uh, that reminds you of that is so key. I mean, making a short film with a bunch of friends, I, I just shot it like a sketch short film with some friends who are all just feeling, we're all just feeling crappy. So we're like, well, let's do something fun and creative and it will cost us $0, but we did something. And yeah, exactly to your point. I, I like, I like the people and I am doing this because it's like-minded people who I like spending time with. And yeah, I like making stuff and creating and being on set even if that set is my friend's uncle's house yeah 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 cool thank you so much appreciate it hi cole <laughs> i'm gonna add cole to the mix cole is new to our studio but one of the kindest uh most innately talented people you'll ever meet well i'm intimidated oh, already you're so sweet i really appreciate that my question i want to kind of oh my god my heart is racing stop I want to redirect a bit towards your voiceover. The reason why I had the opportunity to attend an open call for Bang Zoom last week. And so I got to see individuals work on the ADR and it was incredible. I'd never seen that. And for your career, did you feel like the further you went into voiceover that you were seen being pulled out of live action more? Or did you feel like it actually opened more doors for you? Cole, you're a delight. <laughs> um, uh, it's a great question. It's something I've thought about for sure. Um, and the the number one thing I'll say is I wouldn't trade VO for anything because uh, like Alana was asking, it has, it will get me through some rough patches, right? Like if nothing is going on on camera, nothing and I get to go do a VO session once a week, I'm like, 
I feel alive. I feel like I am doing something. I feel like I, it's just like, it always makes me smile. I enjoy it so much. It's silly. It's fun. So it's the best. Also, it got me through the pandemic uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, I just told Colleen, uh, like weeks, months before the pandemic, my wife uh, noticed that we had this sort of blank space in in our like little storage area. And she was like, should we turn this into a mini sound booth? And we did it. And then the pandemic happened and we had not studio quality, but pretty good quality. And I could record, we both could record from home and uh, earn at least a little bit of a living during the pandemic. So I'm totally grateful for voiceover. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's so fun. It's easy. I mean, if a, if a day on set is 12, 13 hours, a day of VO is can be 30 minutes. It can be an hour and a half. I mean, it's just easy. the best. Um, and I also, this is a generaliza- a gross generalization, but uh, animation people are just so much more chill. It's not... <laughs> It's not, it feels nicer. It feels like everyone is, it's the pace of it is slower. It's just all, it's a very joyous thing. Now I will say I've had a couple of near miss opportunities where there were jobs where on on, on the live action side that Mm -hmm. were like pretty like serious kind of uh, like drama, serious stuff. And the thought did cross my mind and maybe this is just me rationalizing, but the thought did cross my mind, like, oh, did somebody go and look at my IMDb page and see 101 Dalmatians and, uh, you know, whatever other goofy future worm, whatever other goofy things and go like, well, maybe he's not like a serious actor. Um, and I'll never know. Right. I try not to let those kind of thoughts reap into my mind because they're not helpful and they're not productive and I love doing voiceover so I wouldn't trade it but I can't rule out that there is some like oh well he's maybe like a cartoon guy as opposed Mm -hmm. to serious actor guy and I know that there are a lot of people who uh, are very careful about what work they do so that their resume is exactly the kind of resume that they want it to be with nothing that strays from very serious or, you know, very intense or very moody or whatever, or very arty. Um, I'm not one of those people. I like to work. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if doing a job costs me a job because I like to, I like to do jobs. Josh, thank you so very much. Um, you are proof that one can be successful and be kind and generous and uh, somewhat normal. <laughs> yeah the, well somewhat <laughs> i can pass occasionally um, this is yeah. such a delight it is so nice to be in an sks environment it is just the most positive and uh positive while being constructive and practical and uh, i'm i'm grateful for it to this day and it's always nice to be around all of you and colleen and kristen is just a joy thank you for having me